Good morning. I have never done this before. I've never preached to a camera primarily. So um, I'm gonna, I don't know if it's gonna be like when I rehearse a message where there's no one in the room, but I can tell you that it's a lot easier to preach to no one than to preach to just five or six here. So uh, I don't know how that's gonna go, but we're gonna do it together. Uh, I'm, to the, our president has declared today a national day of prayer. So before we get into uh, the gospel according to John chapter 14, verses one through 14, feel free to look that up in your Bible. At home, it's about that far in. Um, let's, let's pray together, not only for the message, but for our, uh, our, our community, our state, our nation, and our world. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you are almighty, <laughs> and we are not. Uh, Lord, you tell us that if we, if we repent and call on your name, you will heal our land. And Lord, we have people all around the world right now that are terrified. There's horror, there's anxiety, and it seems to me, and I'm just speaking for me here, I'm not speaking on behalf of the church, it seems to me that that we have this idea that we are, we live like we have control over our lives. And it seems now that we're seeing that we don't. So it's a great time for the church to remind the world that we know who does have control. The only one of us that can see the future is you. The only one of us in charge of creation is you. The only one that can truly stop this virus is you. So Lord, on this day where the United States of America has decided to pray, I ask you this. No new cases of COVID-19. Heal those that are sick. And let this be the day that people realize that you are not only God, but you are good. Show us who you are and remind us whose we are. And Lord, I pray that as we, as your gospel goes out over different internet service providers, as we go through this process of live streaming, we pray that the servers work. We pray that those who are providing uh, this technology, that they be blessed. Lord, we know that churches all around the country and all around the world are doing this right now. And people are gathering in their homes and they're seeking an opportunity to, in private, worship you and hear your word proclaimed. So Lord, for all the pastors that are preaching this morning, I pray that they preach the gospel, that you translate it from a house of worship into homes where people are worshiping. I pray that you speak clearly through all of us that are proclaiming your word today and that it rings true to ears and hearts. So Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you want us to hear and see and give, give us hearts to receive what you want us to receive. And Lord, I pray that you stand on my feet, that you think with my brain, that you speak with my mouth because this is not my message for th those who are listening. It's your message for us. So Lord, as I communicate, I pray that you let it land on me as well. And Lord, if there's something you have planned to say that that I have planned to say that you don't want said, I don't want to say it. So convict me of it later, but do not let me speak something that is not you. And Lord, if there's something you want said that I haven't thought of, make it clear that it's from you and I will speak your word to your people gathered all around the country and world right now. 
In Jesus' name we pray, through the power of the Spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. I want to give a shout out to my mother-in-law and father-in-law. They are in uh, Long, no, Siesta Key, Florida. I know they're joining from there. And my son-in-law and my daughter are joining us from Queenstown, New Zealand. They just got word that they're shutting down their whole country, much like the state of Michigan. So we are in John chapter 14. 1 through 4, or 1 through 14, and this is the, the beginning of what's known as the farewell discourse. This is when Jesus is preparing his disciples for the fact that he's going to be leaving, and uh, he's going to be killed, and then he's going to die. I mean, he's going to be killed, and then he's going to die. Uh, he's going to die, and then he'll be resurrected and go to the Father, but this is the beginning of the, of the segment when he tell, he, he, he's comforting us, and he's telling us that yes, it's gonna be hard. In this world, there will be trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And those seem like good words for today. So John chapter 14, beginning in verse one, it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And you know the way to the place that I'm going. Now, I, I'm gonna pause here just for a second. And it, it is my nature to want to wander around. But for the sake of, of video, I'm gonna try to stay right here. Um, but you're gonna see a lot more arm movement. Um, I've learned this from uh, Ray Vanderlaan, who's a local Bible teacher at Holland Christian High School, and it's been confirmed through a guy named Jonathan Kahn in his book called Book of Mysteries. Uh, this little segment, this little spot when Jesus says, in my father's, a different version, in my father's holy mansion, there are many rooms. I would have, if it weren't true, I would have told you so. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and I will come back and take you to be where I am. And you know the the way to the, you know the place, you know the way to the place that I'm going. I gotta tell you, that is, we don't think of it like this, but when Jesus said that to his disciples, he was, in a way, asking them to marry him. I know that sounds weird, but the, the words of, that we use for the words of institution and communion, uh, when we hear that, that, that when Jesus says, this is, this is the blood of a new covenant, take and drink, um, that, that was a proposal for young Jewish men when they, when they were going to propose or to become betrothed to young Jewish women. Um, that was what they did. If you think of, of uh, in, in, in China, actually it's in Japan, I believe, uh, they have a tea ceremony where they, they, have a, they turn the cup a certain way, they pour it a certain way, and the woman serves the man. And the, the, they have these ceremonies on how they go about uh, making important decisions. So these tea ceremonies in Japan are similar to this idea of new covenant in, in Israel back 2,000 years ago. When a young man would come to propose to a young woman, now those marriages were probably arranged uh, through their fathers um, for years past, but, but they would say, this is the blood of a new covenant poured out for you and take and drink. And if, they took, if, the, if the man said that and the woman took the cup and drank it, they are now engaged to be married. So it is a way that when Jesus gave the words of institution uh, to his disciples, he was saying, will you love me and honor me and share with me all that is to come for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health, through laughter and tears? Will you be faithful to me as long as our life shall last? The next thing the young man would say is what we see right here. In my father's house, many rooms, would have told you, 
if it weren't true. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So the young man would take off and he would go back. And you've seen the parable of the 10 virgins. If you're not familiar with that, that's the, 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 these, these maidens are waiting for their, for their day to be married. They didn't have it planned out, save the date and all that kind of stuff like we do today. They, they would stay in their village and, and they would wait. And when the, the young man would go and he would build onto his father's house, whether it be um, creating a new tent if they're nomadic or if, if he's stacking stones to make a new room in the house if they're, if they're kind of stationary. Um, he, he would go off and he would build. And every day when he thought it was done, he would come to his dad and he would say, is it ready? Not yet. Is it ready? Not yet. Is it ready? Not yet. But on the day that dad said, today's the day, that young man would go and he would gather up all of his, uh, all of his, the, his friends, all the people that are, gonna, that, that are gonna witness his marriage vows. And they as a group would go off to, their, to his bride's village and they would blow a horn when they walked in and announce it. And all the young women um, who, who, who were betrothed, who were waiting, all these ladies in waiting would come out hoping that today is their day hoping that it's their bridegroom that comes in, hoping that today's the day they are united with another. So when Jesus says to his disciples, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it weren't true, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. He's saying to us, to the disciples then and to us today, wait for me, prepare for me, be faithful until I come back. Now they don't know yet what it means that he's gonna leave. They're not prepared for the crucifixion. They're not prepared for the trial. They're not prepared for the scourging, but they are, they do understand what Jesus is saying. You're entering into a time of anticipation, of preparation, of waiting. So Thomas, a little confused. Now, I, we, Thomas gets a lot of grief. We've talked about this before, but um, Thomas, a little confused, says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And this is absolutely crucial in the Gospel of John, but it's absolutely crucial to us day to day. I don't know, I don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, there's gonna be some more questions here in a minute, but I want, you to, I want you to see this just for a second. Consider this for a second. This could be three sentences. It's not, but it could be three sentences. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Ego me. that's the Greek for I am. That's God's name. In the, in the Hebrew, if you take the Hebrew, when God, when Moses, when God showed up to Moses in a burning bush and, and, Moses, and he tells Moses to go rescue his people from Egypt, and Moses says, well, who, who should I say sent me? And God says, Yahweh, which is just, I am that I am. And in the gospel, according to John, from the very beginning and throughout, there are many ego, me statements. I am statements. Jesus, I'm the way. I'm the light of the world. I'm the gate. I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. I'm the way. He doesn't say I am a way. He doesn't say I am a truth and he doesn't say that I am a life. He says that I am the way and that no one comes to the Father except through me. And that's an exclusive claim of Christianity. People get very upset about this, that who are we to tell people that there's only one way to everlasting life? Well, 
It's not us saying it. It's us believing and trusting the person who we worship. And he says it. We'll read from there. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I'm gonna tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Do we buy this? As people of God, do we, now, sometimes we claim this. There's a movement in our culture called name it and claim it, kind of a prosperity gospel idea. And I'm not saying that, that, that there isn't something to, Lord, you promised, so I'm gonna hold you to your promise. There is something to that. We see that with Jacob. Jacob uh, in, in uh, Genesis 32, when he wrestles with God, when, when he, he prepares for the worst and he, and he calls God on his promise, you promised that you would bless me. You promised as you bless my father, you're gonna bless me. And, but now it looks like my brother's coming to kill me. And he, he, he literally wrestles with God all night long. And God says, and I don't know why, but let me go because the daylight's here. Um, and Jacob says, I will not let you go till you bless me. But I want you to notice in that story, and it's Genesis 32, I, I encourage you to read it. God says, before he blesses Jacob, because he, he knows Jacob, he knows who he is. He says, what's your name? So Jacob has to confess that he's a deceiver, that he's a, a sinner. And only then will God change who he is. Here it tells us that we will do even greater things than Jesus. Here it tells us that, that, that we will do the things that Jesus did. Now, he walked on water. I'm not gonna risk that. I might do that in my little pond or puddle, but I'm not gonna risk that out on a boat in the middle of Lake Michigan. But, but does he mean that we will actually do greater things than he? Do we believe that when he says, if you ask anything in my name, it will be done for you? Yeah, I want a new truck. I don't think that's the kind of thing he's talking about. I think that today in our culture, in our world is the kind of thing he's talking about. If he's the way, if he's the truth and he's the life, we have something absolutely glorious to give the world. Confidence, strength, peace. It's in the conversations over the weekend, people are just, freaking out. And I get it. I don't want to get sick. We canceled public worship today because we don't want to endanger anyone. Some of us, if we get this virus, it'll be mild. Some of us, it will be harsh. Some of us, it may take our lives. 
But that's the same as any other day in our lives. It's just we don't normally think about it. It's a wonderful time for the church to shine. So what are we asking the Lord and what are we asking the Father in Jesus' name? Are we praying for revival? Are we praying for our family's health? Are we praying that his church in this country survive these next several weeks where people feel disconnected and therefore more disconnect means less connection later? What about the small churches that are gonna have trouble funding their ministries? What about the missionaries around the world right now that mission trips can't go and a lot of the support is brought by visits to missionaries? Are we praying for God to heal? Are we praying for God to intervene? Are we praying for God to be glorified? Are we just looking for more toilet paper? I don't understand what toilet paper and upper respiratory virus have in common. I don't know. Um, it's an exclusive claim. And it, it's just, this is, this is going to look like I'm exploiting what we're going through as a, as a world right now. That is not my intent. But it's, it's an example that we've used before. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. We feel like we're imposing our views upon others when we make a claim like that. But here's the thing, folks. We're not spreading a disease. This is hope. This is everlasting life. This is the most crucial thing any person will ever come in contact with. The gospel. So if, if Greg and I ran into each other. Greg's sitting right over here if you can't see him. If Greg and I were wandering through the desert, dying of thirst, and, and we didn't have any idea which way was civilization, which way there was help, and we ran into each other, and two minutes before I ran into Greg, if I had found a GPS with full batteries, and I can find a way out, if I say to Greg, I'm lost, you're lost, but I know the way, to find help, to find comfort, to find food and water, to find medical care. Would I be a jerk if I shared that with him? Would I be imposing my hope upon him? Or would I be saying to another fellow human being who's hurting and who's starving and who's without hope, I know where hope is. It seems to me that it would be good and right and noble and excellent and praiseworthy for me to share with Greg that I know the way. And here's the beauty, folks. It's not just that Jesus is a way. It's that, it's that he's, not, he's not someone that's gonna plow, that's gonna, that's gonna get out ahead of us and, and push bushes away and blaze the trail. He is the trail. All we need to do is get on the trail and keep walking. It's not that he will ever leave us alone. It's not that he will ever forsake us or, or wander off and we have to find him back. We know the way and it is Jesus. And it's not just that, that, that he's a path that we follow. It's that he is who we walk on. He is who walks within us. He is who walks alongside of us. He's the life, the life. 
It's not that we have life and then Jesus gives us something more. We don't really have life until we have Jesus. He is the one who speaks into our lives. He is the one who breathes life into us. He's the one that sustains us every day. He's the one that decides whether or not the world is gonna end over this thing. He's the one that decides if it goes away today. He knows the future and we know the way. What a glorious thing. See, we found out two weeks ago that he knows you. That's what it says. He knows you. He, he loves you. He, he, he knows you better than you know you. Jesus, through the spirit of God, sees all. He knows your innermost fears. He knows your hidden sin. He knows your your worries, he knows your concerns, he knows how you doubt yourself. He knows that every Sunday morning that I show up and I get into my office and I realize two things. One, I think I'm good at what I do. And two, today everyone's gonna realize I have no idea what I'm doing. That is the constant battle within me. So every Sunday morning, I pray and pray and pray and ask God, get me out of the way you speak because I don't know what I'm doing. He knows that every one of you has insecurities. He knows that every one of you has fears. He knows that every one of you has darkness within you. And he wants to shed light on darkness. Not just in the world around us, not just at night when, when some light pops on, not just the headlights in your car when you're able to, to see at nighttime, but he wants to shed light on the dark that you don't even know is in you. In this world, there will be trouble. Boy, do we know that right now. But take heart, the God of the universe in flesh and blood, Jesus Christ has overcome the world and he's preparing something for us, a place for us to reside in everlasting life, but he's also preparing a life for us right now and we can anticipate it and hope for it or we can cooperate with what God is doing. Here's what I mean. I tell you the truth that anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Are we doing what Jesus has been doing? He marched up to Jerusalem knowing they were gonna kill him. He went back to the place of darkness over and over and over again. He brought light into dark places. He said, I will not be afraid. The scripture tells us 365 times, fear not. Are we doing what Jesus was doing? Because if you just take it, and I'm not saying that it's not about the miraculous, I think it is. But if we just consider the fact that Jesus says, you will do even greater things than I have done. And you just make that human for a minute. Jesus was one man in one region of the world and he changed planet Earth. Imagine what 2,300 people in one region of the world can do if we're doing the same kind of things he's doing. This is a wonderful time, folks, to serve your neighbor. This is a wonderful time to pray for the sick. This is a wonderful time to, to just show the world that there's nothing to fear because Christ is 
king. He knows you. He loves you. And you know him. And he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Come to the Father. You got to walk through the gate. He's the good shepherd. He's the gate. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know what God's bigger plan is. And I wanted to, to give God an out when I prayed at the beginning of this message that, Lord, if you have some greater plan with this COVID-19, then obviously we don't know. You do what you want to do. But I think it's a time to pray boldly. I think it's a time to act boldly. I think it's a time, and I believe God thinks it's a time. It's always the time. But I, th I believe God is saying to us, whose are you? And if you belong to Christ, let your life show it. By your lack of anxiety over this thing that's going on and how you treat others and in your confidence that nothing can happen to you without the will of your Father in heaven. We talked about that last week, that the Heidelberg Catechism is quoting scripture several scriptures, but it says in question and answer, number one in the answer, it says that, that my father looks over me in such a way that not one hair can fall from my head without the will of my father in heaven. If he's concerned about a hair, you think he's not concerned about disease? You think he's not concerned about your child? You think he's not concerned about your Nana? Of course he is. So get on your knees and pray and then stand up and act as if you've been one who's praying. And be the light that Jesus was. He, tell, he says to us, I am the light of the world. But then he tells us, you are the light of the world. If he did great things, imagine how much greater things we can do in his name for his sake and for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, bless you. Thank you. Thank you that we are not a people without hope. Thank you that we, we actually know the way, we know the truth, and we know the life. And it's not just this abstract thing outside of us, but because of your Holy Spirit, the way lives within us. The truth lives within us. And the life that you are the giver of lives within us. Help us share the way, share the truth, and share the life. Help us do even greater things than you did when you were walking around on the earth, as long as we do it in your name. So Lord, it's in your name we pray. It's through the power of your Holy Spirit that lives within us. And for the glory of God, our Father, just as you always glorify the Father, we, in your name, offer this to him for his glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.